Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Hello again, bonus time in the Ben Jarowski Show. As I speak, it's Friday, October 8th. Let me tell you, folks, it's really early in the morning where I am. I'm in Los Angeles. Yes, I'm still in Los Angeles. My daughter, my oldest daughter, gave birth and I'm still helping her out. Uh, But thanks to uh, the wizardry of modern technology, uh, I am uh, on the phone uh, or on the computer with a distinguished guest. And I am now, as I always do, going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself. So without further ado, distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Ben Jarofsky, good to see you, brother. I am Emmanuel Chris Welch, Welch like grape juice. I'm state representative of the 7th District and speaker of the Illinois House of Representatives. Yes, he is. He's Speaker of the uh, House of Representatives. In the old days, Chris Welch, I used to call him up on the phone. I go, Chris, I need a guest tomorrow. Can you be in the studio? Can you come on down? We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about, Chris. Just, I need a guest. And he go, Ben, I got you. Now he's Speaker. I got to go to a PR and communications. <laughs> well, Big ben, times I, have changed. I still got Big you, Ben. Changed. I'm here, man. Ben, you called. I'm here. You are, and I, I appreciate that. Uh, so first of all, congratulations to you. Uh, I'm going to call you Speaker Welch because you're the speaker, and I would call Madigan Speaker Madigan, so I'm going to call you Speaker Welch, uh, whether you like it or not. Um, (laughs) Thank you, Ben. I appreciate it. So, uh, well, let's start with that. Uh, You're the speaker, and for years you watched Michael Joseph Madigan operate as a House Speaker, and I know you wouldn't be human if in the back of your mind, uh, Speaker Welch, you weren't thinking, oh, I could do this job. I would do it this way. I would do it X, Y, Z way, this way, that way. And whatever. I'd first of all, get a cell phone. Uh, so now that you are speaker, are you finding it that it's harder than you thought it would be? Are you finding it to be what you anticipated? Talk about that a little bit. Well, first of all, let me say that never in a million years did I ever think I would be speaker. And uh, I've thought I'd be a lot of things, but speaker of the Illinois House of Representatives and the first black 
person in our state's history to be in this position. I never thought in a million years that it would be me. Uh, so it's certainly an honor and a privilege. And, uh, you know, I'm nine months into it now. And uh, initially I was drinking water from a fire hose, but I got my legs under me and I think we're doing some big things and doing well. Uh, I certainly uh, think uh, Speaker Madigan, obviously he lasted in this job for 36 years, longer than anyone in the history of the state, history of the country. I don't think you'll ever see that again, but I think he lasted because obviously he did do some, some things right. And uh, there was a lot to learn from someone like Madigan, but I'm still Chris Welch. I've been in leadership roles before and my style is a little different. Uh, I do have two cell phones. Uh, I am pretty accessible and transparent. I would say since my elevation on January 13th uh, to now, every single person I've met with in the speaker's office has been surprised to be meeting with the speaker in the speaker's office. Uh, I'm traveling the state quite uh, quite a lot. I've been to Decatur. I've been to Bloomington. I'm in the Metro East uh, real soon. Uh, I've been in McHenry County, DeKalb County, you name it. I'm all over the place. And we're drawing some pretty big crowds because people are excited and energized because They've never seen the speaker, uh, not in person, at least. And so, uh, you know, I'm enjoying it uh, and I'm enjoying getting out and meeting people. And I think meeting people and listening to people is going to make me a better speaker. One thing I noticed right off the bat uh, is that the Republicans, they had battered. <clears throat> I think you and I have talked about this in the studio. They 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 invested almost eight years, over eight years, really, to uh, battering Michael Madigan, to turning him into... Uh, like the epitome of the worst things uh, that Democrats were in their minds. We're going to get into this a little bit more when we talk about Ken Griffin. Uh, and I noticed, I was a little hopeful because after you were elevated, after you were uh, elected speaker, it seemed like the Republicans were sending out, I don't know, they were saying relatively complimentary things about you, which was vastly different than how they ever treated Michael Madigan. Is that, are those warm feelings uh, still go there or have Republicans started to uh, complain about you as well? Well, I only know of one Republican that's complaining about me and that's uh, Leader Durkin and that's because he wants my job. He's always wanted the job and uh, I just don't think the people believe in him or his policies and he'll never have my job. But if you talk to his colleagues, uh, many of them will tell you uh, they have worked with the Speaker of the House for the first time. And remember that. I'm the Speaker of the House, not Speaker of the Democrats, Speaker of the House. And it's my job to work with Democrats and Republicans and manage the business of the House. And I've done that in a bipartisan way. We got some big things done this session, and we got it done in a bipartisan way. Many Republican legislators got some individual things accomplished because, you know what, Ben? They came. They sat in the Speaker's office for the first time ever. They had a conversation with me and told me this was important to them, and I and I helped them. And uh, that list is is long, and I, so I think if you talk to the members on that side, uh, they will tell you it's a new day, it's a new era, and uh, they're pretty pleased with the direction it's going. Can we be better? Of course, we can be better. We can always be better. Uh, but um, you know, I think we've already made some significant improvements, and we're going to continue to try to get better each and every day. All right, Speaker Wells, let's take it uh, issue by issue. And I, I don't know why this is at the top of my list. I don't know why this is on the top of my mind. It probably speaks more about who I am and where I'm coming from uh, and my lifelong obsession as a sports fan. And it's an obsession, ladies and gentlemen, uh, 
that Chris Welch shares. He uh, is a huge sports fan, a baseball fan, a basketball fan, football fan. He's on the sidelines at Northwestern games a lot. Uh, that's his uh, alma mater. So I'm starting with the Bears. And I'm the Bears. Chris, you know, I speak my mind. The Bears. I just speak my mind and you speak yours. I do not in any way, shape, or form want any public subsidy to go to the Chicago Bears for their new stadium. They took all that money that Mayor Daley gave them back in the early O's to rebuild a, a soldier field for them, move in heaven and earth to take care of the Bears, and they've been pretty much worthless as a football team ever since, except for that one year when Lovey took them to the Super Bowl. Devin Hester ran back to kickoff. You know what I'm talking about, Chris Welch. Then somehow or other they lost the game. Other than that, worthless. And they want money to build a new stadium. That's my opinion. What's your opinion on this subject? Well, I got to tell you, no one has approached me as the Speaker of the House about money for the Bears. No one. I'm not aware of anyone having reached out to anyone in the legislature looking for a public subsidy. Maybe they intend to, but they haven't done it yet. And so I think it's a little premature to uh, talk about that. Uh, we certainly have a lot a lot of other priorities to get our fiscal house in order uh, rather than talking about giving out money uh, to a, a billion a billion dollar sports franchise. Uh, so I want to focus on the present, focus on continuing to build back a better Illinois. We've had credit upgrades for the first time in over two decades because of the budget that we passed this year. And we got, got that because we're being responsible. And so I think, you know, talking about giving money to a sports team right now is way too premature, especially when they haven't uh, come to the table and asked us about it. Do you do as I do, uh, weigh into consideration the Bears' performance? Uh, I've had debates with this. People have told me, Ben, it really doesn't matter if they're a bad football team. Uh, the reality is that people fill their stadium and they want to go to the games and it's an engine of economic development. So it really doesn't matter if rewarding a bad football team, whereas I say, well, I thought we were a meritocracy uh, and uh, uh, you, you got rewarded for excellence. So do you have a position on that? Well, I mean, I'm a Chicago fan. I'm a, I'm a Bears fan. I'm a Cubs fan. I'm a Bulls fan. I see you're, you're always wearing your Bulls hat. I'm a Chicago fan, you know, and I'm going to support Chicago teams. I think the question, if they ever asked if the state would get involved with subsidies, is um, is there a benefit to the state giving up state dollars to keep the team in Chicago? And I still think there, there's a lot that has to be answered. Is, uh, is it a more of an economic benefit to keep them in the city of Chicago? Or is it more of an economic benefit to the state if they move to Arlington Heights? Uh, you know, I think we have to look at it from my perspective. How does the state benefit if we were to uh, pony up state dollars? And uh, you'd have to have some data to support whatever decision we make. But uh, we haven't had any conversations like that yet. All right. All right. We'll leave that one alone for a while and we'll move on. to the. Uh, <clears throat> I, uh, I could tell you right now before we move on. I cannot imagine in a million years the Bears making a legitimate um, convincing case uh, for an economic development handout, particularly when the city and the state have so many needs, Chris. And I'll tell you why. Because they only play, what is it, 10 games a year? Eight 
regular season and two. I mean, I don't even know if they play two anymore of exhibition. I can't remember how much preseason games. So that's going to be a real stretcher. We'll have to see uh, how nimble they are with that argument. Uh, let's get to legislative maps, one of my absolute favorite topics. We talk about it uh, all the time. And uh, Chris, just so you know where I come from on this issue, I'm always blasting the fair maps, people. And this is my uh, point of view on this, and then we'll get your point of view. My point of view about this is, uh, as a lefty, which is what I am, you know that, Chris, uh, I do not want any maps in the state of Illinois to be fair to Republicans until Republican maps are fair to Democrats in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Texas. I don't know, Speaker, if you've seen the recent Texas map that the Republicans in Texas have proposed. I think they want to put every Democrat into like one district or something like that. And then uh, you mentioned Durkin already. He cries. Oh, the Democrats are so mean to us because they are punishing us, putting in this district. I'm like, Durkin, where are you speaking out about Wisconsin? When are you going to speak out about Pennsylvania, Mr. Fair Maps? So that's my position. What is your position on uh, legislative redistricting? Well, let me say this. And I think you've already said a lot there um, uh, in regards to where Republicans stand on uh, redistricting. They only concern about fair maps when Democrats are, are in control of the process. But in Republican states where uh, they are in control, uh, they are running rampant over Democrats um, without even seeking input from Democrats. Um, you know, uh, the, the reality is this. Illinois is a diverse state and diversity is the strength of this state. And Democrats care about a map that reflects that diversity. If you have a map that truly reflects diversity, we know that the Democratic Party is a diverse party. Have you seen a picture of the Republican Party? Have you seen a picture of Republican leadership when Donald Trump was in the White House? Have you seen a picture of the Republican caucus uh, in the Illinois House of Representatives? They lack diversity. Uh, and any map drawn by them would not be truly reflective of the diversity of this state. They would probably try to pack us all in the one or two districts like you talked about, rather than uh, drawing a map that honestly reflects the true diversity of this state. And we got, the, we got it right 10 years ago. Nationally renowned experts believe we got it right this time around. Republicans are suing us, but you know they're going through the motions, throwing everything against the wall to see what sticks. And at the end of the day, I think we're gonna be proud of the maps and the diversity that they produce over the next decade. You think your maps will prevail in court? Absolutely. Absolutely. We have some of the best lawyers that were advising us uh, from the very beginning. Uh, and, you know, they're they're uh, working their way through the process now. And we believe we, we got everything right. Now, let me talk about the Republicans for a second. They're complaining about uh, the uh, House passing maps in May when we were meeting our constitutional deadline to pass maps. We had until June 30th to pass a map. The only data that we had at the time was ACS data. So we used the best of data available to meet our constitutional obligation. They wanted us to ignore our constitutional obligation and not do anything. But they're not complaining about Republican states like Oklahoma that did the exact same thing. They're only concerned about Illinois. Uh, Oklahoma had a constitutional deadline to pass a map by a certain date. 
and they used ACS data to do that. Same thing Illinois did, but they're only complaining about it because we're Democrats who did that. When census data came out and we saw that there were some uh, uh, amendments needed, we made the necessary amendments and brought them within alignment based on the census data. Uh, and we did our job. And I think we, we produced an even better map. Uh, but uh, Republicans aren't going to complain. I like to say Republicans are going to Republican. They're going to complain, but we have to continue to do our job to the best of our ability. And I think Democrats um, do that and keep everyone in mind when Republicans only keep billionaires and the wealthy in mind. Uh, Speaker Walsh, there's also the matter of the Supreme Court uh, districts. They haven't been uh, redrawn in many, many years. I can't remember uh, how many years it's been, but um, over, over 50, I believe. Over 50, yeah. Explain that, would you, to folks? People ask me questions all the time. Why don't they have to redo uh, Supreme Court district maps or boundaries? Uh, every uh, 10 years, like legislative boundaries? Uh, there's no law that requires it. And honestly, I think the last time the Supreme Court maps were redrawn was in 1962, which was even before the last time our Constitution changed in 1970. Uh, and the idea that uh, we haven't changed our Supreme Court boundaries makes no sense, especially when you look at how drastically out of line they were with current population numbers. Can you imagine our, our population in 2021 is significantly different than what it was in 1962. And so uh, I think it, it was time long overdue that uh, we took up Supreme Court remap. Now, as you could tell, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a partisan. Uh, I want a map that gives Democrats control of the Supreme Court. Very important matter. Again, if the Republicans were playing fair, I would be totally into being fair, but if only it doesn't work if one side's the only one being fair. What's your view of the maps uh, that the Democrats have drawn up right now? Well, I think the maps uh, that we drew up are fair. Uh, they're going to reflect the diversity of our state. It's going to give us an opportunity to have diversity on the bench. Uh, and I think that's extremely important. Uh, we Again, if the Republicans were in charge, uh, people that look like me would never have an opportunity to make it to the Supreme Court bench. They wouldn't have a chance to make it to any bench uh, except the back bench because uh, they don't want us uh, in positions of authority and making decisions. And so uh, I like the maps that we drew. I think that they truly do reflect the diversity of this state. And you're going to see it on our Supreme Court. All right. By the way, uh, if your name was Candace Owens, they probably uh, like somebody who looked like you. But we'll move on from that. Um <laughs> what I'm talking about. So, or, or, or Clarence Thomas. Or Clarence Thomas would be very popular uh, with Republicans, yes. Um, all right, uh, let's talk about crime. I know you and I have had the conversations about uh, criminal justice issues before, before you were speaker. And right now the headlines are filled with stories about uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot and uh, State's Attorney Kim Fox. Uh, exchanging. Well, they actually had a meeting yesterday, uh, Speaker. I don't know if you were aware of that, but they had a meeting, which is kind of strange that it came to that. Uh, again, we've talked about this in the show a lot over the last week. My position on this is I don't know how you could ask Kim Fox to prosecute charges against people if there's no evidence against them. As horrific as that shooting was, Speaker Welch, and it, I'm sure Kim Fox feels the same way as Lori Lightfoot about it. If you don't have the evidence, what are you just going to do? Just randomly scoop people up and charge them with something just to charge someone with something? 
that's where I come from it. What's your view of this situation in Chicago? You know, yeah, I, I think, first of all, let me say that Mayor Lightfoot and State's Attorney Fox are friends of mine. Uh, I think they both have very difficult jobs. I certainly wouldn't want to be the mayor of Chicago. That's a tough job uh, any day of the week. And I certainly wouldn't want to be the chief prosecutor in Cook County. That's a tough job any day of the week. I'm not going to tell either one of them how to do their jobs. I think they're very capable and talented uh, uh, women uh, leading important areas. I, I'm certainly happy that they got together and had a meeting. I think that's the thing that we should do. Uh, we should talk to each other and communicate regularly. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of having those types of uh, conversations than talking in the media uh, because we do have an issue that needs to be addressed. And I think we all agree that it's the systemic issues that uh, have caused this violence that uh, was created uh, a long time ago. And uh, we need to address systemic issues. All right, we'll close with this, uh, Speaker Welch, and thanks for putting up. We've had a few technical difficulties, ladies and gentlemen, which uh, DJ Nate, I'm sure, will smooth out, but uh, Speaker Welch has been very patient. Uh, Chris, Ken Griffin. I, I'm, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the billionaire hedge fund operator who uh, funded uh, the movement against a fair tax has uh, weighed in on crime in Chicago, says it's worse than it's ever been, uh, and he may move out of the city, may move his company out of the city. What's your response to the things that uh, he had to say? Well, I've never met Ken Griffin. Um, I don't know him as a person. All I know is that he's a man of extreme wealth, and typically uh, people uh, of that amount of wealth are out of touch with people in my community. Um, and don't really know what the real issues are. I guarantee you, um, he doesn't know uh, about the systemic issues in my community that need to be addressed. If he did, he would try to help us address them. We need grocery stores. We need restaurants. We need economic development. We need educational access and opportunity and things of that nature. We don't need the National Guard on our streets. We need opportunities. Uh, and so, uh, I, I, you know, I'd, I'd rather focus on uh, dealing with the systemic issues that have to be addressed than talking about out-of-touch billionaires. All right, very good. Uh, and uh, Chris, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me, putting up with these technical difficulties. Let's hope our beloved Northwestern Wildcats uh, do a little better going forward. How about that? Well, we need a defense, man, and we're going to do any better. But uh, Go Cats! Very good. Go Cats. That's Speaker Chris Welch. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. Mm -hmm.